This is episode number 52 with the president of True Blue Housecare, Sean Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. Before we drop into the episode, a quick message from our sponsor, 919 Marketing. I've worked with 919 Marketing for years, and there's no one I trust more with my marketing needs in any of our businesses. I've worked with them in our franchise businesses, in my consulting business. I've worked with them on the franchisor side. And I love working with 919 because they take the time to listen. They take the time to understand what it is I'm looking to accomplish through my marketing, who I'm trying to reach, and then they help me put a plan together to do just that. I've worked with tons of marketing companies over the years, and too often it's a one-size-fits-all approach, but not with 919 Marketing. In addition to that, they've developed some amazing technology called 919 Insights, franchising's first and only AI-powered analytics platform. With 919 Insights in place, 919 Marketing can identify the exact topics that matter to your franchise candidates and provide the specific roadmap to help your brand become the highest ranking and most trusted resource when they're searching for answers. So if you're ready to start getting better results from your marketing, And if you want a free demo of 919 Insights, reach out to Graham Chapman at 919-459-8157 or send them an email at gchapman at 919marketing.com to schedule your free demo today. So whether you're a franchisor, a franchisee, or just getting started in your first franchise business, make sure to check out 919 Marketing and tell them West Barefoot sent you. Now. Let's drop into the episode. My guest today is Sean Fitzgerald. Sean is currently the president of True Blue Total House Care, which is a national franchise specializing in really anything to take care of your home, right? From kind of odd and in handyman jobs to uh, ongoing maintenance packages. They do kind of focus on the aging population so they specialize in coming in and helping seniors make sure their homes are well taken care of and safe for living so that they can continue to age in place in the comfort of their own home instead of having to move into assisted living or something of the sort prior to working with true blue though sean has a very extensive background in franchising over 25 years of experience working with brands ranging from startup franchise concepts to large developed franchise systems Uh, he's a c-level experienced executive 
But Sean also talks about how he got started as an entrepreneur. Uh, right out of college, he and his father started a business that they then went on to franchise. So he's got some great lessons that he learned along the way, things that he's since been able to apply in his experience as an executive with a variety of franchise companies. So a lot of good advice uh, here for anyone that owns a business, owns a franchise, is considering getting into business for themselves. Uh, Sean and I talk quite a bit about the advantages of being part of a great franchise system. So really good episode, packed full of value here. Sean's a great guy, tons of knowledge, tons of experience that he shares with us. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with Sean Fitzgerald. Maybe give us kind of a, a quick introduction to True Blue, and then before we really dive deeper into that, I'd love if you, you know, take a minute or two to share with the audience kind of, you know, what your career path has been leading up to this point, where you're now the the president and CEO of, of True Blue, which is a, a franchise company. But give us give us a, you know, quick introduction to, to yourself and, and also True Blue and kind of how you've gotten to this point. Yeah, great. Um, so... Again, my name is Sean Fitzgerald, and I have been in franchising forever, as I like to say. I started <laughs> when I was actually in college. Um, that's how I yeah. got introduced. I, I started my own business, and then I then I got franchised it, and so that's how I kind of got into franchising. and And so a little bit about True Blue, because we'll get in my background sure later. But yeah. True Blue is, um, you know, it it started off really kind of focusing on helping seniors age in place, and that is, you know, kind of tackling all of the you know, to-do list chores, making sure the home um, environment as safe as possibly can be. And um, also looking at uh, being able to just do, you know, honeyman work or just to-do list chores. And it's really kind of missing puzzle to aging in place because there are so many organizations out there that, you know, take care of the individual. Yep. And, you know, we, we like to say is like the aging in place starts with the home. So the home mm -hmm. environment ha has to be um, you know, a, a big component of that. And that's where a lot of families struggle with. And so I joined True Blue about a year ago and, and really understanding coming from the senior care industry, the challenges that families face. Um, and even the fact that it's difficult to find um, those type of resources. So, uh, you know, just knowing that and knowing that that's kind of like the last missing puzzle to aging in place successfully is making sure the home is in a great, safe environment as where, you know, True Blue comes in. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me because like you said, there's there's plenty of companies out there that, you know, would take care of the seniors themselves. There's other companies that have, you know, different specialized products that maybe someone that's looking to age in place could could benefit from equipment, ramps, these sorts of things. But, you know, it's the it's the routine house maintenance that usually either it just doesn't get done or the seniors trying to do it themselves, which is probably not always safe and could potentially lead to injury or, or, you know, it just further complicates things. But then there's, I think, a trust factor too, right? As you've got someone coming in uh, to do these services, you want to make sure that it's a reputable company and, and someone that you trust. So I would imagine that your franchisees get a lot of repeat business from, you know, some of these clients that are aging in place. Yeah. I mean, repeat customers is, is really big. And it's interesting you touched on something is that, that trust piece. And yeah, so, you know, for when it comes to seniors and his families um, and their loved ones, who comes in the home is really important to them. And it's a very mm -hmm. vulnerable position for, for seniors to who comes into their home. And so with True Blue, you know, we really are focused on providing that trust and peace of mind 
by having W and two employees who are screened, background checked, bonded, and insured, mm-hmm. um, and that resonates well with people outside of being seniors. So we do really well in the busy families. That's what kind of led to our other component of our business, which is helping busy families, because that's a, that you know a lot of people are looking at it saying, well, do I have to be a senior to be a, a client of True Blue? And obviously, no. Um, <laughs> And you don't, you don't have an age minimum. We don't have an age minimum. Okay. But it makes so much sense because um, my career, I've traveled a ton. Like I, I would, you know, I live here in Cincinnati um, and, but I would commute to other roles on a, you know, on a weekly basis. So I was always gone. I have two children, Uh um, two daughters that at the time were pretty young and who came in their home was a big thing. So having a trusted source to come into the home and take care of things and, the other thing too is like my weekends, you know, when you have young kids, you're running the soccer games. And so I'm gone all week and then I've got soccer games and trying to spend quality time. I had no time to do anything around, around the house. Yeah. So this resonates really well with busy families and seniors because we do have our ongoing recurring packages where we can do quarterly maintenance. We just make sure we come in and take care of your home and do the things that need to be done. Most of those are, most people don't realize that they need to be done on a regular basis. Um, and then for those that are super busy or seniors that can't do it, we have the helping hands around the home where we just come and knock out to do, to, to, to do this chores. And that really piles up for seniors because yeah. for, you and, for you and I, you know, the simple things like changing a light bulb or taking, you know, furniture out of the shed or, and getting it out for the spring, that's just stuff we do. We don't even think of it as chores. Yeah. But for seniors, that's a major, you know, that's a lot. And they're either going to have ask their loved ones, family members to do it. If they don't have family members to do it, then they're going to probably do it on their own, which puts them in a very dangerous situation from a falls perspective. And as, as you know, people who may not know that, you know, falls is a definitely challenge for the senior community and senior um, seniors that are aging in place. And 90% of those falls occur in or around the home. And part of it is the fact that the home is not um, equipped properly. Part of it is not being well-maintained. And part of it is really probably the biggest part is the seniors doing things they should not be doing. Exactly. And that's where, you know, we really want to kind of come in and and be able to help that so that people can age in place successfully. And we believe that we're that um, missing component that, you know, that people are really needing to, to do that successfully. Yeah, no, it, it, it makes a ton of sense for me. And I, you know, I have some experience in the the kind of aging in place industry and, and yeah, I mean, we see it all the time and I, I forget the statistics now and I'm sure they changed since I was, you know, in that business, but I mean, it was, it was like a, a very high percentage of falls happened in the home. And I think I remember, you know, seeing a lot of them were kitchens and bathrooms and, you know, kitchens to me makes sense. You're trying to reach up and, and get something off the top shelf or out of the top of the pantry or something like that. Uh, but a lot of times the result of a fall for a senior, you know, like if I fall, I'm going to probably, you know, laugh at myself a little bit, get up, maybe be sore the next day. But for a senior, you know, they could end up in the hospital. They could end up in rehab. It, it has pretty detrimental effects. And so minimizing that, makes a lot of sense but what you say about you know this being a great service for busy families too like i have two young kids and 
I mean, I don't travel as much anymore as I used to, but it's still, you know, stuff piles up and uh, I, I, I would gladly pay someone to come in once a month and me be able to just hand them the to-do list from my wife and say, hey, knock it out. Because number one, I'm not the handiest guy in the world. Number two, it's just not the best use of my time. You know, my time can be spent better elsewhere uh, with, with everything that we have going on. So to me, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and I definitely want to, you know, dive into more of the details around true blue and, and talk about kind of what differentiates you guys from some of the other handyman services that are out there. But before we do that, I want to make sure we have a chance to, to touch a little bit more on your background. Cause I'm very interested with what you kind of led off with saying that you you've been in franchising for sounds like pretty much your entire career started a company in college and then went on to franchise it. Tell us a little bit about that experience and uh, some of the things that you, you've learned through that and then been able to apply later on in your career. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate to have a, my father was uh, what I call a serial entrepreneur. So he was always mm-hmm. starting companies and businesses and he had this idea and he came to me and said, do you want to do it? Because he was running another business, but he had this idea of, you know, a, a truck accessory store. So this is back in the, not to date myself, but this is back in the early nineties and trucks and SUVs, like nine out of top 10 selling vehicles were a truck or an SUV. Yep. And um, there was no really one place to go to get your accessories and truck caps, bed liners and things like that. So mm-hmm. We opened up and, um, you know, we opened up our store and here I was a sophomore in college and, you know, I worked in retail before and all of a sudden I realized that there was a competitor, one competitor down the road, another one, two miles down the road, and we were surrounded by competitors. So it was very competitive. I was thinking we're going to walk into this and in an industry where, you know, we were unique and you, we, you know, we weren't necessarily unique in the sense that what we were selling and I think a lot of people, when they look at businesses and they start, it's like, they look, oh, well, somebody's already doing it, so I can't do it. Right. That's yeah. not the case at all. It's really looking at it as like, hey, boy, I could do so much better. And I, I can relate it to even younger than that. I think I was like 16 years old. My dad sent me to an auto parts store to pick up. I'll never forget. It was a brake light switch for my mom's car. So I walked in and I said, and I had some, my, I was, my dad sent me and I was like, well, I don't, I don't know. What do I ask for? He said, they'll help you. Don't worry about it. Just go in there and ask for help. They'll help you. So I walked in and it was your classic guy behind the counter with a t-shirt on rude and yeah, annoyed that you came in probably <laughs> absolutely 1000% annoyed that I came in. He, yeah. and he said, well, what do you need? I was like, I need a brake light switch from mom's car. He was like, well, what kind of car is it? And I was like, uh, Oldsmobile. What year? I was like, I don't know. What model is it? I was like, I don't know. And he <laughs> literally started yelling at me. He's like, well, how am I supposed to? And so I left wow. out of there, my head down and I was like, and I never forgot about that. Now, when we started Pickups Plus, that's the name of the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anything about automotive. So, but I just, I just, or trucks. I didn't even own a truck, but yeah. I just wanted the ment- mentality of that. I would never treat anybody like that. And so, and the other thing that we applied it to is that we wanted to be very professional. So we had uniform employees. We had it just, um, we really turned it into retail, um, made it a retail experience. And, you know, I was in college, so I hired college guys and we all worked there. We we're all kind of young and the experience from our competitors compared to our, it was night and day. Yeah. Um, no one. And that's what made it unique because it wasn't like we were the first ones to ever sell truck accessories. We were the first ones to actually do it in a professional retail mm-hmm. manner. And you know, we got a lot of attention in the industry because we were so unique 
And um, that's what kind of started that, that business off. Well, I love that story. Number one, just love, you know, how early you got started in your own entrepreneurial career, you know, love hearing that, you know, your father was a part of that, encouraged you, you know, helped you create the opportunity to get started. Love that. But I think it's such an important message. What you just said is, you know, a lot of people, if they're thinking of getting into business for themselves, they're like, they think they're going to come up with like the next best idea that no one's ever thought of. And I mean, that's great when it happens like Uber and, you know, Apple back in the day and Microsoft, all these things, but it doesn't happen that often. But the, the great thing is, is you don't necessarily need to reinvent the wheel. You just need to look and see where's their white space in terms of companies that are not providing a great experience for their clients. And then you come in and do a better. I mean, I work with people, help them get into franchise businesses. And sometimes people come back and say, Wes, there's there's a couple of competitors already in my market. I don't think this business will work here. And I'll say, I'll say something like, no, they are validating to you that it will work here. What you need to figure out is how can you do it better than what they're doing? And you know, I would imagine that's a big part of why True Blue is successful, right? There's no shortage of people out there marketing themselves as handymen, right? But my guess is your clients get a far superior experience than if they were to just call some random handyman, you know, that they see a his sign on the side of the road or something like that. So I, I think that's a, a huge message. And I also like what you hit on too, about the fact that you didn't like necessarily have any experience when it come, came to automotive or, or trucks, because I think and we were talking about this before we started recording. A lot of people think that that's a prerequisite, especially with a good franchise. It's really not necessarily, you don't need to have uh, personally as the owner experience in whatever industry the business may operate in. So how long did you go before you started franchising it? So we, we went about, about three years to, before okay. we started franchising. And the reason why we franchise was we started expanding. And as we were expanding, um, I had to hire managers. Mm-hmm. And one thing I learned early on was like, because this was my business and I had this vision and this experience and it was, it was very difficult to replicate that. It was really difficult to find managers who had that passion that had yep. that, like the experience was everything. Yep. And that's where we kind of stumbled into franchising because we were, we were just having a hard, like we had to deliver on our brand promise, which is having a great experience. Otherwise we're just another commodity out there. And so we actually um, looked at franchising it and we, then we franchised it um, a few years later. And, you know, fortunately we, um, we got some attention and were able to grow pretty quickly. Um, given the size of investment it was, it was, it was a pretty hefty investment because you had to have bays for installation and everything like that. So, oh yeah, you know, it was yeah. a half a million, a million dollars total investment to open one. Yeah. So it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't, you know, not, not one of those quick, quick ones that to invest in, but, and real estate was tough because you, we were retail, but we were also automotive. So we needed those bays. Yeah. You need that and, combination type space, which there's only, so many of them around unless you go build one and then your investment's even higher. Yeah. Which we did. We did have some franchisees start doing that and with, with really great success. And that's, that's really what I, I, I learned franchising and I loved it is because of the fact that, um, well, there's two things. One was the fact that, you know, you're, you're taking a system, a franchise system, which is a collection of best practices mm-hmm. and you're partnering with somebody that's going to own it too. 
and own it in their market area. And so they're going to execute at a level that no, no one runs a business like an owner. And that's one of the benefits of it. The other thing in reverse is when I started my business, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything. I'm like, yeah. and then I would spend, I mean, just think about, I, I reflect back on how long it took me to figure out business cards or just <laughs> yeah. random stuff that people don't realize because yeah. so many people talk about, well, you know, I'm going to start a business. And I always say, don't look for a franchise because the value you get is just so much compared to trying to invent everything yourself. And you're like, well, you know, I can, I could do it. And I was like, well, you can, but you don't know. It's, it's the difference between doing the right things and doing things right. Because you may be doing the right tactics, but if you're not executing and doing all the things that someone has learned from before, yep, um, it's time, it's money. And so um, I always was just like, wish there were, there was a franchise I could have joined back then because it would have yeah. been so much easier. And then lastly, people think that franchising is just, okay, they're going to train you and get open for business. But there's a reason why most businesses fail after, you know, small business fail after five years is because of the fact that they're not constantly in making improvements they're just working in the business and they're not looking down the road and they're just and so all of a sudden your shiny little business here when you launched five years later looks like it's been you know through through the wash for five years it's beat up pretty good yeah yeah and you don't even see it and so yeah it's been part of franchise system it'll keep you always i would say optimizing your business always pushing to optimize the business to the highest level hundred percent. I mean, I talk to a lot of people about franchising. Some people start working with me and they're more versed in franchising than others. Some it's very exploratory when we first connect. And, you know, so occasionally I'll, I'll work with someone and they're, they're, they're almost anti-franchising to the point where I'm like, well, why are we even talking if you have this many preconceived notions? But, you know, I, I look at it as an opportunity to educate a little bit. And I don't believe that every franchise out there is created equally, right? So right. I, there's franchises out there I certainly wouldn't invest in, but there's franchises I definitely would invest in and have invested in. But I, I totally agree with you, right? It's like, could you go out and start this business on your own? In a lot of cases, yes. But a great franchise, this is the way I think about it, it gives you the ability to run much faster and you're working smart instead of hard. You know, one of the things I say to people is, you know, why, Wes, why would I want to pay all these franchise fees just to become a franchisee? I could save all that money and just do it myself. Well, number one, you're you're getting usually uh, an actual protected territory, which is an asset. There's a monetary value that that gets associated with that, carries into your your exit strategy in in one way or another. Secondly, though you're paying to avoid the mistakes that the franchise or other franchisees before you have already made. And that is invaluable, right? The, the amount of time that it would take you to ramp up and considering all the mistakes you would likely make if you didn't have a great franchise with systems and processes and training and so much of the infrastructure, you know, that's turnkey for you. you let's say the franchise fee is 50 K you, you're going to, save a lot more than than uh, that 50K by going with a great franchise, right? It's just going to, I mean, like my wife and I made the mistake. We'd been franchisees for years and in our first franchise, and we got into a dealership that was a very similar business, just kind of a, a product for a different part of the home. And we said, well, we've already got this business. We've learned it. We've got the systems and processes. We'll just kind of take this dealership where there was no training, no support. It was basically like, here's a price list. 
and we'll just kind of plug it into what we already have. But it took us nine months to get a website done, to get, like you said, business cards, like marketing materials. We had to go find a CRM and figure out how we could build all of our, by the time we got it all kind of stood up, we were like, this, this isn't worth it. Uh, we shut it down. We didn't do a dollar in revenue through that. Yeah, I mean, you raise, you raise a great point. I mean, if you think about it, what do you think it would cost you to learn all those things and learn, and what those m- mistakes cost you? It far exceeds anything like forty or fifty thousand yeah. dollars. So let's just say this: eliminating mistakes, right there, value. But the real value is the the knowing what to do and the best practices. Yep. So now you're going to go out, let's just say you have an idea, but you don't want to do a franchise, but you're going to go out and hire a consultant in the industry to help you start your business. You're going to pay far more than that. Oh, yeah. So, so the the value is just tremendous when you think of it from that perspective, but it's the ongoing piece. So when mm-hmm. you know, someone thinks, okay, well, then I got to pay you know royalties and so forth, but the royalties that you pay in, the, in a good franchise system, you're going to do far better than 6%. Oh, yeah. And that's from the best practices. That's from the economies of scale, purchasing yep. power, brand awareness. It's just, it, if you really look through it, it, it and don't look at it as an expense, but look at it as like getting you to the next level, it's yep. tremendous. You know, one analogy I use, because sometimes people have a hard time grasping it is, because I heard people say, well, I can hire a handyman and I can start my own business and I could do it. It's like, you absolutely can. And you know what? I like to fish. I love fishing. And I can go out and buy a boat. I love saltwater fishing too. So I can go buy mm-hmm. a boat. I can go buy a fishing pole. I can go buy bait and I can go out into the ocean and fish. Odds are I'm not going to catch anything because it's a big ocean. So yeah. it's the expertise of knowing all those things. But then even the, uh, I've gone fishing, deep sea fishing and they're the captains are talking to each other and they're always communicating. And it's, it's like, that's like being part of a franchise system is like, yeah, you can yeah. go out there and try to figure it out, but the cost and time and all those things to do it versus joining a system and, you come out of the gates running. So to me, I just don't, I would, I would never have the energy to start it from a business from scratch ever again. If I were ever going to do it, it's going to be a franchise system because I don't want to spend time figuring out every little detail. And most of the time it's trial and error. And if you're, if you don't have someone there with you. Yeah. Well, I love what you said about the the ongoing support being such a, a critical piece of it. And, you know, again, not every franchise is created equal. I I've seen franchises out there where, you know, their franchisees would probably tell you they're not getting their money's worth when it comes to the royalties after a certain point. But any good franchise, to your point, you're going to come out way better than whatever the royalty is and, and any of the other ongoing expenses. And, you know, when I've got candidates that I'm working with, I had this conversation this morning with a guy that uh, I've been working with for a while now, and he's getting into FDDs and he's, you know, getting a little bit caught up in item six. And he's like, well, it seems like they're nickel and diming me. He's like, there's a call center fee. There's this, there's that. And I said, well, look, here's, here's what you need to do. It's very formulaic. You need to understand your expenses and you need to make sure that they're justified. Meaning you need to understand what am I getting in exchange for these fees? And then it just like a formula. All right. So if you, if they're telling you it costs X amount per call that the call center handles for you and, and talking to other franchisees is the best way to really wrap your head around this. Right. I said, so when you get to talk to franchisees, ask them, Hey, how much did you spend on your call center expenses last year? And then to kind of weigh it. All right. What would it cost me to go out and hire a full-time person that did nothing but answer the phone for me? I can almost guarantee you the call center fees will be substantially less and they'll get you better results 
than hiring, training, and managing one person to do it for you. And that's just one example, you know, but it's, it's all about understanding what does it cost me? What is the value? The value should clearly outweigh the cost. And in a good franchise, that's pretty easy to see. Different franchises add value to their franchisees in different ways, but it, it should be pretty easy to see that, that that value exchange, you're winning as the franchisee if it's a really good franchise system. But it's, it's counterintuitive for some people. Yeah, you know, um, if there's a situation like you're talking about, the franchise system mandates some type, it's typically because it's a critical component. No one starts a franchise and says, boy, we're going to grow this and then we're going to charge 2% for a call-in center. Wouldn't life be great? They're not doing it because they want to do it. They're doing it because they it needs to be done and they need to mandate to make sure it gets done. Because again, it's one of those best practices that if you're not executing well, um, it's going to impact the bottom line. So if it's mandated, it's probably for a very good reason. And yeah. like you said, talk to the franchise owners, because if, if there is a call center, that means you need to have professional people calling, probably answering the phone 24 hours. Yep. And if you're not going to do it, I could tell you, you know, from our, from our pers- per- perspective in business that if it goes to voicemail, that's not, that's not a great experience for a consumer. Nope. And so th- those are type of situations where many cases, when you're looking at it, and if it is it required, it's required for a reason. And they, and the, the franchisor is confident that this is an extremely important component of the business that they just, you know, you got to do. Yeah. And I mean, I think in a lot of cases, like I've worked for several different franchisors and, and, you know, knew the history of these companies, kind of how they evolved and and got to where they were. And I was in franchise sales and development roles. And like, I think in a lot of cases, when, when it's something that the franchisor requires, they probably didn't always require it. And then they learned the hard way why they need to now require it. And so, yeah, it's exactly like you're saying. It's it's there for a reason. And like I reminded the the guy I was, you know, having this conversation with this morning, like it's not in a franchisor's best interest to nickel and dime their franchisees and cut into their margins because they're, they're not going to grow as the franchisor. If you don't have uh, happy, motivated, productive, profitable franchisees, good luck continuing to grow. Because your right. your franchisees aren't going to be motivated, and you're not going to do very well bringing in new franchisees uh, if they're not getting you know good vibes from the franchise owners they're talking to. So it's it's kind of that mutual alignment. And I think some people, you know, just to kind of put a bow on this topic right now, some people that are asking these types of questions, they're looking at it through the lens that you know the franchisor is trying to pull something over on their franchisees. Yeah, it's a business for the franchisors. They want to make a profit too. I want my franchisors to be profitable because that's going to allow them to better support me. I don't want my franchisor bootstrapping it. Um, but it's not this like adversarial relationship. It's very much a partnership. And there's at least should be if franchising is going to work the way it's designed to work, mutual alignment. Everyone's working towards the same common goal. And I think sometimes people forget that. Uh, when they're investigating different franchise opportunities. Yeah. And the, the one thing they have to remember as well is that the franchisor is, has to protect the best interest of the brand. And so a lot of the times that, 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 that is protecting the co- consumer experience, the brand yeah. promise. Oh yeah. And if, and if part of that is like that, you know, if you're doing it, you're a franchisee West and you're answering the phones, you're so professional and everything is, you're just killing it. And then your neighboring franchisee in the same market area doesn't have that same professionalism 
and doesn't execute the model the way the brand is promising, that impacts you. And so that's why franchisors do these type of things is number one, to make sure that they're doing best interest of the franchisee from a business standpoint. But number two is to make sure that it's not impacting the neighboring franchisees. And that, that component to me is probably as, as being a leader of a brand, mm-hmm. typically the, the one I look at is like, I have to, you know, every franchisor is an individual or every franchisee is an individual and sees the world in their own way. But at the same time, I have to look at it as like, Hey, what is, you know, you may like to do it this way or it might be easier for you or more, more affordable, do it a different way, but we have to stick to the brand promise. I mean, we have to execute at a level that's consistent so that it doesn't impact anybody in a negative manner. Yeah, it's a great point. Um, same same message, you know, when, when I've got someone that says, wow, the franchise agreement seems very one-sided. And I said, well, the franchisor's got to protect the brand. You know, if you spent years developing a business and then you were, you know, letting other people go operate the business under your brand, you would want to take measures to protect it too. And so, you know, my one question to someone usually if if the, the franchise agreement is throwing them from a loop is, well, do you have any intentions of starting this franchise and then not following the system? No. Okay. Well then my guess is you're never going to even read your franchise agreement again. Right. <laughs> I've, I've never read mine. You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. We, we just put our heads down and do our work and everything's good. Wes here. You may have noticed there's a franchising theme to this podcast. And that's because franchising's had a massive impact on my life. And it's the very reason I'm walking my own path to freedom. In fact, one of my companies is a franchise consulting company where I work with people to help them understand franchising and determine if it might be a good fit for them. And if it is something they want to explore, then I help them navigate the entire investigative process and ultimately find a franchise business that's a great match for them. You know, the fact of the matter is there are thousands and thousands of franchise businesses out there today. And like anything, there are good ones and there are bad ones. Even out of the many, many great franchise companies, not every one of them would necessarily be a good fit for you. You know, buying a franchise is a huge decision and you don't want to wing it. I've helped many people buy franchise businesses over the years and my wife and I have bought and owned franchises today and we plan to keep investing in franchise businesses. I love helping people understand this process and help them find a business that's going to be a great fit for them and help them accomplish their goals and ultimately create that freedom in their life that we're all looking for. The best part of all of this is that my services are free to the people I work with. And while I do love to contribute to charities and other great causes, I'm not a nonprofit. I'm compensated by the franchise companies I work with when I introduce them to someone that ends up becoming one of their franchisees. It's very similar to real estate, but with franchises. I have the privilege of working with hundreds and hundreds of the best franchise companies out there across practically every industry. So I can be absolutely confident that when I recommend someone to look at a franchise company, I'm introducing them to a very credible and proven company with a solid business model and great support. So if you think you might be interested in learning more about franchising and seeing if it might be right for you, I'd love to speak with you. Get in touch with me by email at wes at path2freedom.com, path, the number two, frdm.com. And also check out my website at path2freedom.com, spelled the same way, where I've got a ton of resources, both franchise and non-franchise related, 
that will help you start down your own path to freedom. And of course, subscribe to and follow the podcast for more great advice about business ownership. And if you know anyone else that might be interested in speaking with me, please share this podcast with them. Thanks for listening to my shameless plug. Now let's drop back into the episode. You know, kind of following your career trajectory, you guys get uh, this franchise business that you're franchising up and running. Um, I mean, what was that kind of learning experience like? I mean, I, I can imagine there were some some bumps and bruises along the way trying to navigate franchising. But, you know, ultimately, what did that end up looking like when when it was built out kind of at scale? Yeah, so the True Blue is part of um, strategic franchise systems, which they own several other brands. And one of them uh, previously was a senior care company. Okay. So the, the, the founder identified that there was an issue as it related to aging in place in the home. And that's, that's, that's where True Blue was really born. Um, and they, it started in 2012 and um, it had been, you know, a lot of lessons learned going throughout the whole process. And what it essentially happened was even they were targeting seniors, it was, they were having a hard time, you know, making that um, connection work was as it related to um, adding, you know, connecting the dots between how do you get to the seniors and get to their homes and things like that. So with my background in the senior care space, um, I was actually looking for a true blue back when I was in the senior care company. Um, I was EVP at Bright Star Senior Care. So that's where mm-hmm. I learned the industry. And we were having issues with, we knew it was like we lost clients because they either, you know, um, passed away or they were, had to go to a long-term care facility or nursing home. Many of the reasons why was because of falls. The other mm-hmm. thing too is that the home environment was not great yeah. because of the fact that these seniors, if they need medical care, then who's taking care of the home? And, right. They and can't most, clean they can't clean, they can't do anything. And so that became a big issue. And unless they had family members that were nearby doing it for them, which is hard anyway, because now, you know, who wants to spend their weekends taking care of someone else's house all the time, let alone your own. Yeah. So there was this big issue there and I, and I knew it was always there. And then, but there was no solution that was out, out there really long-term. And then um, in, uh, I joined True Blue last year and, and, January of 2020, essentially, is when I kind of took over as president. And um, I was talking to one of the co-founders and I was looking at True Blue Model and I was like, this is this is a home run. And they're like, well, we're, we haven't, you know, we haven't really cracked the code on the senior side of it. And I could understand why is because the missing piece of it was that um, the seniors aren't necessarily the decision makers. So if you target seniors, it's not really who you need to get to. You need to get to the influencers and the decision makers. And then many times it's the family members. Grown children. Yeah. Children, yeah. adult children. And then the medical community, the discharge mm. nurses and things like that. Because yeah, yeah, they're yeah. going to refer this out saying, you yep. need this. Yeah. And so that's what the senior care industry is built on. And so that's what we, uh, um, you know, implemented in 2020 was like, you know, doing what the senior care industry has done and that's educating people on um, the benefits of utilizing a program like this. And I could tell you that the response from referral sources has just been phenomenal. In fact, it led to um, many of us partnering with Right at Home Senior Care as a preferred partner. 
um, even though our footprint isn't as large as theirs, um, but they wanted to partner with us because they they see the value in what we're doing and the need. The need is is yeah. completely there. And so we just need to create awareness and, and awareness about aging in place successfully. And so we do have, um, we do it, the start, the step one for us is home safety assessment. So we can come in mm. and do a senior home safety assessment. If modifications need to be made, then we can actually perform those modifications. Uh, and then it's educating the families on the fact that, okay, now that the home is as safe as we can get it, how do we keep it maintained? We have maintenance programs. And then we also have helping hands monthly program. We come out and knock out to do list chores. And if you look at the cost of putting someone in a nursing home, I think the last figure I saw was like, like $10,000 a month. So expensive. Um, it, it's so expensive. And then versus using like a senior care and a true blue combined, it, the, the cost savings is amazing. Not to mention that what a better way to live out your yeah. adult life than in your own home um, versus a nursing home. And after COVID, the scare that 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 had on seniors, why would anybody like want to even consider yeah. a nursing home as an option? So we're just, we believe that this is a, a tremendous opportunity because the demand for aging in place is only going to increase. And um, now families are struggling with the how, and we are part of that solution. And it's a very affordable solution when you look at the big picture. Well, yeah, no doubt. I mean, several good points there that, that, really resonate with me. I mean, number one, because because I do have a little bit of experience in kind of the aging in place industry. And yeah, the the people using the equipment that we were selling were not the decision makers. They were not the ones reaching out to us. I mean, I think about my father-in-law who's in his early 80s and he's doing pretty well considering he's in his 80s, but he's stubborn as hell. Like, and, and fortunately he can get up the stairs fine. But if that guy ever got to the point where he needed a stair lift, no way would he ever admit it. No way would he proactively call a company and ask them about coming out. And he, he would just fight it. Same mm -hmm. thing with, you know, work around the house. It was finally last summer we convinced him to, to hire someone to come and do the yard work for him, you know, but he fought us for years on it. So that totally makes sense. And, and I think the way you put it was kind of cracking that code. I, I can see why that was a very strategic move for you guys. Um, and then, yeah, hundred percent agree. And, and it makes sense that people want to stay in their homes as long as possible. So you're making it easier, safer, and an affordable manner for people to do that. So, um, I'm, I'm curious, and this is because of some of my previous experience, are, are there any like third parties out there that would, you know, maybe like help a, a senior that maybe couldn't afford your services? Is, are, is there anyone out there that would, you know, help with, paying for these types of services? Well, um, there's very few options really, but yeah. I, I see that you're going to begin to see like Medicare Advantage and other programs like that um, allocating funds towards these types of services. Yeah. Because even for them, for the states, if, if you go into a, a state-run nursing home, that's expensive for the states too. Yeah. Um, it's much cheaper for the state to have someone age in place. So you're starting to see it. There's, there's some, some states are now offering if someone's, um, you know, awarded to the state from a Medicare perspective and they say, they'll give them an option. Do you want to age at a state run nursing home or do you want to age in place? And if they select age in place, then they are actually allocating funds for senior modifications. 
Now, I think what's going to happen in the future is that there, you know, everything's like baby steps when it comes to like programs like this. Oh yeah. Um, so the first part, senior modifications. Well, then, then we just got to educate um, the powers that be that, okay, getting it, mo- you know, getting those modifications done is only part of it. It's the ongoing piece. And yep. so how do we keep them in their homes? How do we prevent them from falling, getting in the hospital, which becomes very, very expensive. And it's preventative programs like what we're doing is we're really doing preventative home care in the sense of house care, you know, like taking care mm-hmm. of the home. And it's not just maintaining the value of the home. It's maintaining the safety of those seniors that are aging in place. So I, you know, I see that in the, in the future that more and more programs are going to be um, subsidizing these costs because there's just, the demand is going to continue to increase again, post COVID you're just going to have this massive desire to age in place. You've got seniors that are, you know, senior population is growing partly because of advancement in metal t- medical technology. People are living longer. Mm-hmm. It's only going to continue. Yeah. And so you've got these two compounding forces that are coming together and they're, they're, or, you know, they're scrambling to figure out what, how do we, how do we solve this issue? And um, I think we're going to play a huge part in that. Yeah. It's exciting. And I mean, to me, it only makes sense that, you know, the, the powers that be, you know, some of these organizations, state, federal, you know, start finding ways to help seniors age safely at home because it's so much more expensive for them to go, you know, to a nursing home, senior living. Um, and, and I mean, I've, I've seen statistics that would show the, the amount of nursing home space just won't keep up with the aging population. Yeah. I mean, just out of a, a pure capacity standpoint, some people are going to have to stay home, even if they didn't want to. Um, so, no, I think it's a very needed service. Um, I, I think it's great that that you guys have kind of honed in on, you know, this aging in place as an opportunity to really help people in a, in a different way than, than so many other companies are trying to help, you know, that same demographic. Um, so, so you joined in, would you say January of 2020? Yeah. Yeah. So you had perfect timing on that, right? Exactly. You're like, what, three months in and you're like, oh, by the way, there's a global, uh, pandemic that you're going to need to navigate us through. Are you good with that? Yeah. So I, I, I always joke about it. Um, so I, I, the one company that I, we taught that we started, we actually went public and three weeks later is when the dot-com bubble burst. So that was the, the 2000 market crash. Um, later in my career, I joined a brand called Wireless Own, which is a, a Verizon wireless retailer. Yeah. That was oh, end of 07, so in 08, the market crashed. And so now I joined True Blue in January 2020, and then we have a pandemic. So, All right, so I'm going to uh, keep an eye on your LinkedIn profile, and if I see you making a move, I know I need to brace myself for something. Something crazy is about to happen. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you see my yeah my LinkedIn change, look out. Something yeah, well, hey, out. do us all a favor and just uh, hang out there at True Blue for about another decade or so, will you? Yeah, I will. Uh, <laughs> I will definitely do so. But um, th- those were all great life lessons, though. You know, it's like you look 100%. at those type of situations. And every one of those situations, except for the very first one. Um, but, you know, th- uh, that's when in 08 is when we had explosive growth at, at Wireless Zone. And um, we're having explosive growth now with True Blue because, you know, when you look at those situations, it's like, what, what are the opportunities? You know, yep. the opportunities, you know, the one thing I think people look at is I, I hear this a lot, especially when people look at a franchise like, well, I'm going to wait till the economy's good to start a business. Um, 
you know, it's like, well, great, but everything's gonna be a lot more expensive. And, yep. you know, it's, you know, and then when the economy's bad, it's like, well, I don't want to start a business now. The economy's bad. Well, <laughs> in many cases, it's the best time, you know? So Yeah, it's like, absolutely. It's like stock markets. It's like people's like, I'm gonna wait till the market's really good and start buying. And then when and the then you're buying high, high. selling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They do the opposite. And the same thing with small, you know, small business is that, you know, there's gonna be opportunities. It's when the market's great, you know, when the market conditions are great. Yeah, you know, it's not, necessarily a bad time it doesn't make it necessarily better but i've had more success under down economies just because of the fact that we're you just gotta look for those opportunities and i'll give an example like when i was at wireless zone before the the real estate market crash we couldn't get real estate we couldn't get class a real estate mm-hmm. we really needed a good a good location good signage we had to have all these things and we just could not because of um the retail was really strong back then and then all of a sudden, you know, the market corrects. And a year later, we were signing leases that were class A locations that like, you know, Blockbuster video was going to go into or whoever it was at the time. I can't remember who was hot. That was probably Blockbuster was already gone by then. But whatever the crazy phase was at that time. Yeah. They were bailing on their leases. And then all of a sudden we were stepping in and not only were we getting the class A number one spots, but we were getting tremendous lease agreements and we were like lock i was like we're telling canada's like lock in now you're getting you're in you're in crisis rates that you're not going to see and lock in get those and so it really was an opportunity and so in those situations where they're not great opportunity like when most people are running you know you look for the opportunities because there there could be a tremendous opportunity and and for us with true blue um the fact that everybody stayed at home it just made it, you know, it made it a little challenging for the senior component because we couldn't go into seniors' homes during the, the heat of the pandemic. Yeah. The rest of the country was sitting at home and looking at things that were annoying them and they wanted the update or, you know, they wanted their deck redone or door replaced. So we just had explosive growth um, during the pandemic when, you know, when other people would look at it and say, wow, you know, what a crazy time to start a business. And we had two owners who started in may and may and june of last year so this is the height of the pandemic yeah they, they broke good for them first month sales records i oh i believe it i believe yeah. it because i mean we have a custom shelving custom closet business and we saw the exact same i mean we're still riding that wave where mm-hmm. people spend a lot more time at home and now all of a sudden they're a lot more aware of what they don't like about their house and what they want to yeah. they're finally getting around to these projects they've been thinking about doing they're not traveling so you know, that money that maybe they would have spent on vacation, they're putting it into their home. So, you know, some of that's just right industry at the right time. But I think so much of it has to do with mindset. And you were nice enough to send me a, a very good article that you were featured in. And so I think it was in the article that I was reading, you know, they were kind of asking you about the same thing. Hey, you come into this new role, a couple months in, COVID's here. How do you navigate through this? And, and I think you said something to the extent of, yeah, you just got to focus on the things that you can control and, and kind of just block the rest of it out. I mean, you need to be aware of what's going on, but things outside of our control, we, if we let them derail us, then we're dead in the water. And so I think that mindset is so important, you know, whether it's the market corrects, we have a pandemic, I mean, whatever it is, it's figure out what are the things you can control and then identify the opportunities and pivot if you need to. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, um, you know, running, starting a business or you know, someone's going to start a business, there's going to be ups and downs. There's, it's like in everybody's life. Every, like, I, I haven't met somebody who said my life is 
absolutely from the day I was born to now, absolutely perfect. Everything worked out exactly the way I wanted it. Yeah. It's just life. It's just the world. And and business is going to have the same thing. And you just got to look for um, this, the opportunities and con- work on things that you can control, the things you can't control. You know, you, you don't ignore them, but, you know, you just, you just kind of focus in. And in crisis situations like that, you know, you just go to the basics and you just go like, hey, what, are the, what can we do today? What can we do now? And, you know, we were able to, you know, really kind of focus on that, keep our franchisees focused and go from there. But to your point, if, if you're looking for reasons for something not to work, you'll find it. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So there's always a million reasons why something won't work um, or you shouldn't do something. But, you know, the, the, the ones that that persevere have that attitude. And you know, I wanted to touch on one thing, too, that you mentioned earlier, which I think is really critically important that about backgrounds and franchisees and having yeah. experience and so forth. And my experience and every franchise I've been involved with is your background and education had nothing to do with the success of that owner. Um, we'll teach you the industry. We'll teach you what you need to do, but it's really um, a lot of it was just having the right mindset, the mindset as an owner, you know, always taking account, uh, uh, taking on the responsibility of the the business, taking ownership, accountability, um, having that, that passion, having that desire. Those are the keys. And I could take, I've noticed this for many years that, I could take the top producing owners and any franchise system I've worked with and stick them in true blue today. And they would be the top producers yeah. here and vice versa. I can take my top owners now, put them in any franchise system I was in the past and they would be top producers. And in so, any market too, right? In any market. Yeah. yeah. And so it's, Cause a lot it's, of times it seems to be the market's fault. Oh, that one of my favorite. <laughs> Have you heard my, that one a time oh, or two? Gosh. Um, <laughs> if, if I was only, if only I was in a different market, it would be totally different. No, it wouldn't. Yeah, I'm like, I, here's what I said about True Blue. I was like, we have top producing owners in in Boston, Spokane, Washington, down to Texas, and then Florida, and everywhere in between. So as long as there are homes, seniors, yeah. and busy families, the opportunities are there. The only difference is, is that it's the only missing variable, and it's true with any franchise, is the franchise owner. That's the missing variable that's not predictable in all of these situations because if they've been in franchising for a little bit and they have more than 10 franchise systems or 10 people, 10 franchises in their system and they're doing well, the system works. And so the only missing variable is the franchise operator. And the other thing too, is like, I think misconception people do is when they look at businesses is like they, they want to do things that they they like. Um, Yeah. You got to like the business, not just the product. And an example, when I was at wireless zone, I had a lot of franchise operators come in and like, I just love cell phones. You know, like I love phones, I love all that stuff. (laughs) Well, great. You got a passion, but you love people. (laughs) Yeah. At the end of the day, you're not going to sit in the back of the room and play with your phones. Right. They all become, they all become widgets. They all become part numbers. It's, it's educating people on using cell phones. It's like, you got to like people. And that's what it was all about. So just because, a concept maybe not what they call sexy or cool or whatever it is, doesn't mean it's not a great opportunity for you. Just look at what your strengths are, what you feel like environment you'd be comfortable in succeeding in, and then making sure that matches, not necessarily, you got to have passion for the business, not just the product. And that's the one thing that my advice I'd give anybody who's looking at starting a business or buying a franchise is that what the owner does on a daily basis, if that aligns with what you're good at, then you know, that could be, it doesn't matter what you're selling. Cause if it's a sales and marketing job, doesn't matter what it is. It's all widgets at the end of the day.
I'm smiling because I, I should have had you on as like the very first guest of my podcast because my loyal listeners hear me talk about this pretty regularly. And anyone that I work with to help find a franchise, that's where we start, right? Is yeah. how do you want to spend your time as an owner? Because that's going to have a big impact on what type of business makes sense for you or not. It's not that you love coffee, so you should own a coffee shop. Like, right. you're not going to, like you said, you're not going to sit in the back playing on your phone all day. Like, you're not going to just get to sample coffee all day if you own a, a coffee shop. So, like, if that's your reason, go find another business so you can be wildly successful and then buy all the coffee you want. Order coffee from all over the world and try all types of random coffees. And, like, that would be better for you probably than owning a coffee shop. So, yes, spot on. Figure out how you want to spend your time. And then you can shift your focus to, the widget, whatever the product or the service is. And, and of course, you want it to be something that you're passionate about. You feel like you're adding value to your clients, all of these things. But um, that's huge. So kind of on that note, I, I know you're busy. So we'll, we'll wrap this up here pretty quick. But, uh, you know, if you could sum it up in like 20, 30 seconds, like what type of franchise owners is True Blue looking for? I mean, you've already said you don't have to be a handyman. You don't have to have that type of experience, but, you know, is there a particular type of background or uh, particular character traits that, you know, translate very well to, to success as a true blue franchisee? Yeah. Great question. I think, I think there's two. One, I think is universal for all service brands and the other ones I think is unique to true blue. Um, the first one is when it comes to service brands like us, we do not have a, store footprint, brick and mortar footprint. So we don't, mm -hmm. we're not like a restaurant where you open up and then people just show up and want to try it out. Yeah. So for our owners to be successful, they have to be um, engaging and they have to be proactive. They have to go out and, you know, create awareness in their market area. Now we, we help them with it and all this, we have the tactics, sure. but part of it is, is like when you open up and you don't have a physical location, how does people know, how do they know you're there? So it's going to take yep. a, a lot of outgoing, um, sales and marketing is going to be key. So anybody with a sales marketing appreciation, you don't have to have a background in it, but an appreciation for it. Cause that's, that's where 90% of this, the success comes from is that um, the one thing I think is a little bit unique to true blue versus anything else is that you gotta have a, a level of empathy for people. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cause we're dealing with, with seniors. And um, I think that part of it is key because to deliver a great experience, you gotta have that level of empathy and I think it's, you know, critical. The one thing that's nice about True Blue is that you're really helping people. You're really helping people yeah. who really need it and deserve it. And, you know, our, our owners will talk about how, you know, they feel really good um, about building a business that's helping people and helping their community. And not too many businesses can say that. And that makes it like kind of a uniquely different. And I think really I enjoy every day of being part of True Blue because I really know that we our services will save lives yeah. and make lives better. And there's, there's something really cool about that. Absolutely. No, definitely a, a feel good business. You know, you're doing good, good for your clients and, and helping them out in a big way. So, um, you know, if someone was interested in learning more about true blue, either, you know, a, a, someone that might need your services or if someone was interested in learning more about true blue as a franchise opportunity, where could they connect with you? Where can they learn more about True Blue, True Blue Franchise Opportunities? Yep. So we have TrueBlueFranchise.com would be okay. the easiest way to kind of find us from a franchise opportunities uh, side of it. And then we have TrueBlueHousecare.com for anybody that's looking for services for seniors and they can find our local franchisees 
um, and see if we can help them out that way. Awesome. We'll link those up in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. Um, if you if you can bear with me like another 60 seconds, I do a lightning round at the end of uh, each episode. So it's the same four questions I ask every guest that comes on. Uh, so if we could run through that real quick, I'd appreciate it. And then we'll let you get back to, to your day. Sure. So first question of the lightning round is simply what's the best piece of advice you've ever received that could be in business or general life advice? Wow. Um Best piece of advice. Oh, yes. Um, marketing is everything and everything is marketing. I like that. Um, yeah. And I, when I heard that, it just so resonated because I think people think marketing is just advertising and it's everything you do. And it's so important in business. So how you answer the phones, how you take care of customers, how your invoices look, all that, everything you do is it reflects your business and is marketing. So you're always got to look at that and also always got to be marketing your business. So that's, that's the one. No, I, I love it. And uh, I have a four-year-old daughter and and she hears me say it all the time. So now she started saying it, she'll say ABM always be marketing. And uh, yeah. I came down from working a couple of weeks ago and her and our nanny had gone out in our neighborhood with door hangers for our newest franchise business. And she just volunteered. She's like, Hey, I'm going to go put out door making makers abm and i was like wow <laughs> you actually listen awesome all right uh next question of the lightning round is do you have any sort of a morning routine like anything you try to do every morning to prime yourself for a successful day well i'm a very routine person so i kind of do the same thing every day it's nothing that anybody's going to take away from it and be like wow i got to start doing that but you know i i think for me it's like i always have a cup of coffee glass of water, uh, water first, cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, I just kind of, on my, I have a nice little drive, about 30 minute drive in the work. And that's okay. where I just kind of, um, kind of plan out my day in my head. So it gives me a chance to, to get into the groove of what I'm going to try to accomplish that day. Yeah. So sticking to the same routine every day, really, regardless of what that is, kind of gets you in the right mindset. Um, yep. Makes perfect sense. Uh, not sure if you're a big reader or not, but if you are, I'd love to know what book you're reading right now. Um, I, I, I have a lot of books I've read in the past, but uh, the one I'm actually reading right now is uh, the essential um, book of dad jokes. So I just love dad. I throw it out there because I just love dad jokes. All and, right. And, so you got to give us a dad joke or two oh here real gosh, quick. I was afraid you're going to ask me that. What's the best um, dad joke you've read so far? I don't have a good, uh, this is not the best one, but this is my, my favorite one so far as like, um, so uh, what does a panda use to cook his food? A panda? Yes. <laughs> See, I, I've panda. learned since having kids that uh, I'm just naturally good at dad jokes, which I think just means I'm not very funny. Um, I'm just like corny <laughs> as hell. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my yeah, wife's I'm giving me a hard time. What's the other one? routine thing? Yeah, oh. routine thing. I, 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 every morning I come in the office and I tell a dad joke to everybody. To the team. So, oh, I bet they the love team, it. Everybody in the building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Maybe sometimes <laughs> they're not always that great. Depends on the day. <clears throat> no, I yeah, think that's exactly. cool though. Um, and and now it's becoming part of your culture there. I love it. So, um, it well, look, yeah, that, they actually. That's where I got the book from. My employees got me that as a birthday. Oh, really? Yeah, that's cool. So they were like, cause yeah, so it's kind of a cultural thing. I just kind of like start the day off with a dad joke. Yeah, well, I I guarantee it's something that they look forward to, whether they admit it to you or not. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> very cool. All right. So last question, and and we'll leave with this: is uh, 
simply, what is your definition of freedom and are you living it? Yeah, I, I love that question. And my definition of freedom is doing what you want to do. And, yeah. and, and I am living it because um, I am happy to be part of the True Blue organization. It's exactly what I wanted to do. It's exactly, you know, capitalizing on my skill sets. I mean, I've been in franchising forever. I've been in uh, C-level and executive levels from multiple brands. I was on the consulting world where I got to work with a lot of brands before. And I just got to the point where I was like, I would love an opportunity um, to not only lead a brand, but also an emerging one, because I just, mm -hmm. I just, my experience of, of being there before um, and the lessons I learned and capitalizing on, on the mistakes I made and, and correcting them. And so, yeah, I would say I'm living it because I'm doing what I want to be doing. I don't have to. And that's, that's a great position to be in. Absolutely, man. It's what the path to freedom is all about. Well, Sean, really appreciate you making time to do this. I'm glad that we connected. Very exciting to learn more about True Blue and everything you guys have going over there. So I'll definitely be excited to watch you continue to uh, lead that organization, but really appreciate you spending some time with us. Thanks for all the great advice that you shared with the audience and uh, hopefully we can stay connected and I will be following your LinkedIn profile. So do us all a favor and don't <laughs> yeah. change jobs anytime soon. Okay. Sounds great. Hey, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, man. Likewise. Take care. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.